If you've got a Bible, turn with me to Joshua chapter 1. And the title uh, of, of what I'm speaking about today, I've given it a title of Leaving Limbo. Um, so most of you are, are probably aware at this point, if you've seen us or you've been on social media, you follow us, or you know, you've just seen Danny this morning. So uh, my wife is expecting, we're, uh, we've got another kid on the way. So uh, you can, can give a little woo for that or something, that's appropriate. You know, another kid, yeah, that's good. I had a very edgy pregnancy joke that I was going to, uh, about weight gain that I was going to open with, but Danny said if I shared that, she'd eat me. So I'm not doing that this morning. Um, but it's been, been a fun, fun wee time for us. Jack was very excited about having a little brother or sister. Actually, before he knew, uh, before we had told him, Jack was, was, uh, getting a bit upset that he didn't have one. Actually, he was praying for a wee brother or sister. And uh, and then one morning, before we had told him, now we knew we were having a, a baby at this point, uh, but we hadn't told him, he starts talking to Danny's tummy and going, there's a baby in there. So I don't know if he'd noticed or, or if he was just deeply prophetic, one of the two. Uh, so then we're like, well, we pretty much have to tell him now. And first thing he says, he goes, can I share my toys with them? Oh, come on, everybody. Now, I don't know if the follow-through is going to be good on that, to be honest, in reality. But I'm hoping, we're hopeful. And he's very excited about being a big brother. He's also very excited that he's going to have a little brother. We're having a wee boy. Um, he was uh, very determined that it would be a boy. Okay, we were quite concerned. Uh, every time we said, boy or girl, boy or girl, he's like, it's a boy. It will be a boy. So we're thankful. Otherwise, if it had been a girl, we were worried we were going to have him going around the maternity ward asking other couples if they fancied a trade, you know. So uh, it is a boy. And other than that, it's been a pretty standard pregnancy. Lots of eating, lots of, you know, foot massages, all of that. And that's just me. So it's been, it's been great. Um, but we're talking about coming out of limbo this morning. Uh, and pregnancy is one of those um, times when, when you kind of, you've moved out of somewhere but you haven't fully arrived at the place that you're going to. You've departed, but you're not yet at the destination. Something is on its way. Something's coming, but it hasn't fully arrived. Um, and and for, for the purposes of this talk, I'm calling that limbo. Now, uh, in, in the passage we're looking at, we're talking about coming out of the wilderness or coming out of the desert. If you were writing a book on this, you might call it something like the tension of transition, something really catchy uh, by Craig Cooney, available on Amazon. I will take my cut at the end of the service. Um, but there is, there is something about uh, this period and this need to get out of that place when you're in it. It doesn't mean that God hasn't called you to be in a period like that. If we look at the journey of Israel, what we see is there's this big deliverance. They come out of Egypt, they cross the Red Sea, and then God puts them in the wilderness. God actually places them there. Now, they end up staying there a lot longer than they should have due to their own unbelief, but nonetheless, God was absolutely planning on keeping them in that place of limbo, in that place of the wilderness, for a time and for a season. And I get the sense this morning... And chatting to people and uh, chatting to Craig and, and just in, in our lives as well, actually. Um, I think there's people in this room today and you are in that kind of place. That place of limbo where it's like uh, something's on its way, but I'm not fully there yet. I, I know I'm on a journey, but I haven't arrived. I, I'm waiting for something. I, I think COVID has probably done some of that, where a lot of things have come to an end or started to come to an end. But not a lot of things have opened up. Not a lot of things have commenced in the last while. It's been a sort of period of hiatus. It's been a lull. It's been a limbo. 
Uh, and on a personal level, you know, that's, that's what it's been like for us in the last wee while. We were uh, over in England, we were involved in ministry there, and that came to an end, and we knew that God was involved in that ending, and he spoke to us. It doesn't mean it was easy, but nonetheless, uh, we knew that that was God's plan. And our assumption was, well, as soon as one door closes, the next one is immediately going to open. Like, you come back and you go, right, well, what's next? And actually... Do you know what? There wasn't a ton. It's been, it's been a period of, of waiting on God and of being in this place of limbo. But I want to talk today, and I hope that this is in some way, I think it'll be generally uh, biblical and, and, and true and, and useful, but I hope also it's in some way prophetic that there are people in this room today that this is a specific rhema, you know, now word of God for you today about the need to get out of limbo and that process of leaving limbo. So Joshua chapter 1, we're going to read verses 1 to 9, and I'm actually going to read it from here. Um, It says this, it says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, down to the great sea, uh, toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life, just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause the people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that my Moses, that Moses my servant commanded you. Uh, do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, uh, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then I will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you once again, God says, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. It's a good Bible passage. I like that Bible passage. Um, so first things first, what are we talking about when we talk about coming into a promised land? What do we mean when we say that? Um, I, I would put it this way. It is the land that God has called you to seize. It is the territory that God has called you to take. We can put it this way. It's your, your purpose, your destiny, your mission, your calling, whatever that is. Uh, that is when it comes to us and, and promised land, I think that that is, is um, clearly something that God has for each and every one of us. And um, to, to be clear about what it is not, uh, it's not a paradise. It's not a, a paradise. Uh, in, in some sense, actually, Aaron uh, talked about this at the start. We live in this place of limbo and our whole Christian lives is going to be between that place of, of salvation and waiting on the return of Christ or going to be with him. And so if we're expecting a paradise in this life, hey, you're going to be disappointed. Like, like you are, that is not going to happen, okay? If you're expecting full satisfaction in every area of life and no issues and no challenges and no opposition, do you know what? If that's what you're expecting, then you're going to be staying in limbo until the day you go to be with Jesus because that, that is not going to happen here. But, but when it comes to the promised land, I do think there is a, a promised land, a, a, a place that God has for each and every one of us in this life. 
In fact, that may be places, there are different seasons within that. Interestingly, the promised land, what we see when it comes to Israel here, is it's actually harder than the wilderness. In the wilderness, there's manna, there is uh, um, quail that's given to them, their shoes don't wear out, their clothes don't wear out. There's no real work. It's almost like a, a benefit system, you know, where it's just they're provided for without having to earn it. And, and yet, as soon as they cross the river, as soon as they go towards the promised land and get into that territory, those things stop. And God's like, you've got to tend this land now. You've got to farm it. You've got to work for these things. The promised land is actually harder than the wilderness. It's more work. There's also something else in the promised land. There's enemies there. There's opposition there. There's challenge there. There's something for them to face. In fact, the promised land that God had told his people he was going to give them at this point in time was probably one of the most wicked and evil places, possibly one of the most demonic places, in the entire world at that point, it was genuinely full of really evil opposition to God and to his people. So, so it's important that when we talk about the promised land, we don't get the wrong idea, that we don't idolize it as some utopia, okay? It's not whatever your utopia is. If you ask Craig and Becky, that's Port Stewart Strand, okay? I don't know why, the wind whipping sand into your face. That is their dream holiday destination. Uh, but but whatever whatever your utopia is, is, is it's not, the promised land is not a, a Bahamas resort, it's, it's more like Omaha Beach on D-Day, right? You're running into the opposition. You're running into fire. Yes, fruitful. Yes, blessed. But it's also work and it's also warfare. God has not simply called us to some sort of uh, extravagant life. He's called us to an effective life. He's not called us to a beautiful paradise. He has called us to a building project. The promised land is the place that he is calling you to seize. And some of you here this morning, actually, you just need to be reminded of that. You just need to know that this morning. That God has a purpose for you in this life. That God has a reason that he has called you to live in this world for such a time as this. You are not here by accident. He has a reason for calling you here. And it's not about your comfort. It's about a cause. It's not about a fortune. It is about fruitfulness. It is, it is not simply about having a palace. It is about having a purpose. The promised land is that place where you live out your purpose. And in the journey there, let's be honest, there are periods where we think, hey, we've got to get there quickly because do you know what? It's not just about me. I want to go and be effective for God. I want to go accomplish something for God. And yet it seems like God very often calls us into periods where, do you know what, we're not doing that as efficiently or as immediately as we might like to do. God, God, as I said at the start, the people of Israel, you know, extended their time in the wilderness, but God was still going to put them in the wilderness for a bit. It was a a 10-day journey from the Red Sea, roughly 10, 11 days from the Red Sea to, to Jericho, to where they crossed the Jordan near Jericho. 10, 11 days. Uh, and ultimately, if they had kept what God's plan for them was, uh, they would have still been in the wilderness for something like 14 to 18 months. If you look at the timeline, God had purposed for them to be in this period. So, so if you're in a limbo period, I do want to sort of reassure you, that does not mean that you've done something wrong. You can extend that time. You can draw that out. We can make mistakes and that can be longer and we see that. But ultimately, that can be a place where God has us. And you need to know that. But 
At the same time, there does come a point, and this is the point that we're reading about today, where you need to step into the promised land, where you need to go, do you know what? We're getting out of here. It's time to go and take ground. And and I believe that for people in this room today, it is time for you to go and take the ground that God has called you to take. It is time for you to go and seize the land. It is time for that uh, uh, pregnancy period to be turned into the joy of, of childbirth. Or, or the joy of having a child, joy of childbirth. I'm going to get in trouble. All the women in here are going to have a serious go at me if I say the joy, the joy of having a child. Okay. Just to be clear for the room. Um, it, there's a time when God says, you need to get out of limbo. You need to leave limbo. You need to walk away from the wilderness and you need to conquer Canaan. That is what you need to do. And so I want to give us a few things from this passage today that I believe will sort of be helpful in that process for us. The first one is this. You've got to stay faithful. You have to stay faithful. And by faithful, what I mean actually is full of faith. Full of faith. Where do we get that? Well, here's what, here's what we get. In, in uh, Joshua 1.1, we're told that the Lord said to Joshua. Now, now, that might not seem like a big deal, right? The Lord said to Joshua. But, but notice who God did not say to God, there's a whole bunch of people that did not get called to go out of limbo. There's a whole bunch of people who were left in limbo that God did not speak to. None of the ten spies, none of the entire generation of Israelites who died in the wilderness, none of them were ever called to go out of limbo. There's, there's one person. Uh, Joshua, actually, well, we could say Caleb, Caleb hears this through Joshua. So, so Caleb is, I suppose, included in that. Now that might seem obvious, but it's only obvious in hindsight. It's only obvious once you know the end of the story. Because at one point, Joshua was just one of 12 guys. He was just one of 12 people who was sent in there. He was a, a figure for, for his tribe, but he was no more than that. He, he was simply one of 12. And, and there's a whole bunch of other people, an entire generation of others, who do not enter the land, and they do not enter it for one simple reason, their unbelief. They're filled with unbelief. They refuse to go in when God tells them to go. And so the very first thing that we need to remember, if we want to get out of limbo, you want to get out of the wilderness, if you are going to leave limbo, you need to maintain the faith. You need to have big faith. God loves big faith. You you need to believe Even in that period, even in that time where it feels like it's limbo, it feels like it's not doing anything, that God has something for you. That he has called you for a purpose. That you are here for a reason. You need to be saying to yourself, look, and and you can, you can, you can get this wrong. You can, you can be grumbly or, 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 uh, unthankful in the wilderness. We don't want to do that. But at the same time, there needs to be an underlying attitude of, I am not going to just settle for survival. I'm not going to just stay in this tent until it becomes a tomb. I am going to go and take that land. At some point, at some point, I'm getting out of here. At some point, God is going to lead me into what he's placed in my heart. And not give up on that. One of my big frustrations in the last while, and I've shared this, I suppose, in different ways when I've been speaking here, is I think we've seen... Over the last couple of years, a lot of Christians, a lot of churches, a lot of church leaders just simply settle for limbo. To go, hey, do you know what? There's been a downturn. You know, uh, we've lost 30% of the congregation. It's just 
something I think that's the average. You know, the culture's getting darker. People aren't interested. We, we, we can't reach people that way. And, you know, we can't talk about this. We can't talk about that. We can't grow a church like that anymore. I, I had a conversation with a church leader recently um, who said, I don't think we'll ever see a church the size of CFC planted in Northern Ireland ever again. I mean, talk about a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like, you know, that, that level of vision, that settling in the wilderness is simply not something that God honors and blesses. This idea of, hey, we're just, we can survive here. Like, it's not too bad. You know, we've, we've, got, we've got our manna, we've got our quail, we've got a stream. Do you know, we can, we, can, we can just settle here. We've got our little community. We've got our little church. I've got my little life. I've got my, my you know, I can just about pay my bills. Uh, you know, there's nothing too bad. I, I can survive here. Let's not take new ground. Let's not, let's not bother those Canaanites. Let's not go and face the enemy. That, that has been a, a part of the attitude that I think has, has grown in the last while in the church in the West, where we've gone, hey, we can't, we can't do that anymore. We, can, we, can't, we can't reach like that anymore. God can't do that anymore. And, and it sounds humble. Like it sounds like very, you know, well, we're, we're just going to be on the margins now, and that's how life's going to be. That sounds really humble. But, but if I look at Jesus and Jesus' vision for his church, he has a big vision. The Jesus of the Bible says, go and make disciples of all nations, you know, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded. And he says that because he is the one who has all authority. Jesus has this massive vision of, of almost global domination for his church. And it's not in a domineering way, but he is absolutely planning that his church will advance. That is his plan for his church. That is his vision for his people. That is what he wants. And to say, you know, oh, well, I don't think he could get more than a thousand people out on a Sunday. I don't see that. That doesn't mean every church has to, but to say that God can't do that anymore? Does that sound like an attitude of Joshua or Caleb? Does that sound like the vision of Jesus? Does that sound like an attitude that's full of faith? The Christian response to what is happening in our culture, in our world, in our churches right now should not be, hey, we're just going to settle here and it's just, we're on the downturn, but we're going to just, you know, we're just going to cling on and we'll survive, we'll be okay and we'll try and make sure that we're okay. The Christian attitude to that should be, we need a revival right now. We need a reformation right now. That's our territory. God has given us this land and we believe by the power of the Spirit and the power of His Word that we can take it. And sure, yeah, there might be giants in the land. Yeah, do you know what? We don't have, you know, the government or media or, or big business or any of those things, but we do have Almighty God. We have the creator of heaven and earth who made everything out of nothing. And it quite frankly does not matter what everybody plans. If God decides he's going to save Northern Ireland, God will save Northern Ireland. He absolutely will. And he wants people of faith. And you are part of that. You have to have a faith-filled vision. Let let me show you something. And and this is probably my my longest point on here, but I like it. So I'll, I'll just stay with it. The thing about Israel was they thought the enemy was really secure. They thought that their enemy in the promised land in Canaan, that those Canaanites, that they were, they were full of confidence and they were ready to fight them. And if they took them on, they would defeat them, as in the Canaanites would defeat them easily. The ten spies come back and go, we were like grasshoppers in their sight. 
But we find out in the next chapter of Joshua actually what the Canaanites really thought, what the enemy really thought. Here's what we're told. This is Rahab um, talking to the two spies that are, that are sent in uh, at, this, th- at this later point. She says this, she says, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to Sihon and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear, and everybody's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. Do you know that the enemy is absolutely terrified that you will enter your calling? He is terrified that you will take his territory. He is not sitting there ready for a fight. He is sitting there panic-stricken. He is, to use a Northern Irish phrase, bricking it, okay? That you will come in and you will go, do you know what? God has anointed me. He's called me to this and I'm going to do it by the power of the Holy Spirit. He is, the enemy is not ready for a fight. And so what he does is, is he doesn't try to meet you in head-on warfare. He tries to get you to not go to war. And so it's all whispering in the background. You can never do that. God can never call you to that. You don't have the skills. Who do you think you are? That's too early for that fight. Too late for that fight. That's not a hill to die on. Don't don't bother coming. Whatever you do, don't try to come in here and fight. I'm warning you. That's the enemy's attitude. Do you know why the enemy screeches and throws up opposition every time you move towards your purpose or every time you stand against something that he's doing? It's not because he's so powerful. It's because he is so weak. It is because he has no power when the people of God say, do you know what, there's giants in the land, great, they're so big we can't miss them. He's terrified of that. And if there's one thing we need in our church and in our world right now, it is a bunch of Jordan crossing, land seizing, city marching, wall flattening, God is with us Christians. That is what we need. Are you a grasshopper or are you a giant killer? We've got to be a people that are full of faith. Secondly, I'll be quick on from this point on. I like that for that first point. That was my main point, to be honest. If you forget the rest, that's all good. Second one is this, is you start hearing. So the first one was you stay faithful. Second one is you start hearing. God gives Joshua a word to go. God speaks to him. You can't manufacture this, right? Coming out of limbo. You, you can't sort of, it's really normal to want to leave quicker than God wants you to leave. And, and to be honest, it's actually a good thing. Like if you're pushing on, if you're like a kid in the back of the car going, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Like in some sense, that's annoying. Okay. Personal experience. But, but actually it shows that you're excited about where you're being called to go. So, so it's okay to want to get out of it quicker, but you can't manufacture it. You do have to hear from God. And so I don't want to promise you that every single time you can just go, I'm deciding that this is over. No, no, no. God, God will have to speak. I'll give you an example. Uh, there was a, a number of years ago before I was in uh, full-time sort of ministry of any sort. I hadn't been in any sort of ministry role. I was working for a church planting organization called ARC. Some of you will know of it. A very good organization. My role was kind of administrative and it was good. I was learning a lot, but it wasn't quite what I was sort of, you know, feeling called to do and feel called to do. But it was, it was very useful and, and and gave me a, a lot of good stuff. So I'm, I'm thankful for my time there. 
But uh, I remember there was a time when we had run this church planter training and I'd been there and people had been encouraging us. And I sort of had this idea of, oh, well, why don't we, we go and, you know, plant somewhere in Belfast? We, we could plant the church, you know, and I had this really nice idea. I knew what part of the city I wanted to go to. It was smart. I had a, I had a good plan, guys, okay? And I said, like, all I need is God's seal of approval because this is good. If I get God's seal of approval, we're sweet. We're good to go. And so I told Danny, and I was like, I think we should, you know, fast and pray and try and get God to speak to us that we should do this. And uh, I said, you know, we might be fasting a while. It might be a few days or you know, a few weeks, you know, but we'll just, we'll press on until God lets us go and do this. And so uh, I remember it was after church one day and we decided to start our fast and we were driving and praying and fasting and dra- praying and fasting and praying and fasting for five minutes. And uh, it was the clearest no I've ever had in my life. It was just all the life just got sucked out of it immediately as soon as we, we started praying about it. And it wasn't like, no, but here's the great thing that I am calling you to do. It's like, no, definitely not. Stay where you are, dummy. Okay. And Danny was like, yeah, I kind of knew that. So I know it all, all right, little Miss Prophetic so-and-so, you know, thanks very much. Best fast I've ever done, by the way, we went out for dinner, it was great. It was five minutes, hear a word from God, and you know, out for dinner, it was great. But when God does call you to leave, there is a flurry of speech, there is, he does begin to speak, there's activity. Uh, and and that can be, I, I absolutely include in that the prophetic, but it's often also, there's a sense of wisdom, clarity, guidance, providence, all these things kind of come together. What we see here, God gives three things. I'm going to be quick on them, but he goes, Moses is dead. You know, uh, God is with you in the new thing. Be strong and courageous. When God's calling you out, you'll start to get that. That old thing's done. Do you know what? There's a new thing. God's with me in it, and I'm going to have to go and, and be brave in the midst of that. So start hearing. Number three, share vision. Share vision. In Joshua one ten, we see what happens after Joshua gets this word. It says this, uh, 10 and 11, And Joshua commanded the officers of the people, pass through the midst of the camp and command the people, prepare your provisions, for within three days you are to pass over this Jordan to go and take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess. Do you know what? If, if it's time to get out of limbo, if God's given you that word, at some point you're going to have to share that word. At some point there's, you're going to have to share that with someone else. You need to tell someone what God is going to do. And to be honest, you need to tell it like it's a word from God. Like, like you've got a bit of confidence that God can actually speak and make himself clear. Can I be honest? In Northern Ireland, we are terrible at this. Like just in our national psyche, we are you know, so cynical uh, and we're really bad at passionately standing up and going, here's what God has said. Uh, we just try and cloak everything. Like if you, if you wanted to stand up and go, here's the vision and here's the land, we're going to go take it. You have to sort of preface it with, I know I'm a worm and I'm useless and I'm terrible at everything. And, you know, I'm probably wrong, but if I'm right, we should probably try and obey God. You know, that's kind of our, our standard attitude. It's like, we can't really just stand up and go, yeah, God said this, let's go. And yet, that's what Joshua does here. Do you know who's great at this? Americans. Americans are, and I know we've got some Americans in the room. I genuinely mean this, and I mean it as a compliment. Americans have sort of, in their national psyche, I'm not saying every single American, but but as a culture, there's just a self-confidence. Like when American babies are born, they give everyone a firm handshake and go, hey, I'm Blake, nice to meet you. You know, like that's what they do. That was the most American name I could think of, by the way. 
Yeah, I, I remember I was flying to um, Alabama one time. I was on an internal flight. It was going, this was with ARC. I was going to Church of the Highlands. It's a big church in Birmingham, Alabama. flying to Birmingham. And I got chatting with the people in front of me somehow. I don't remember how. They asked. I said, I'm going to church planter training thing. And, and they said, oh, is that at Highlands? And, and they go, yeah. And uh, the guy behind me pipes in and goes, I go to Highlands. I'm on the dream team. I'm like, I think, and no one bats an eye. Like, this is normal. If you did that in Belfast, someone would bottle you. Like, honestly, isn't like, but, but you've got to share the vision. You have to share it. At some point, you've got to go, God has spoken to me, and we're going, we're moving. You need to share it. And yes, it might rub people up the wrong way. You, first thing that'll normally happen when you share a vision like that, someone's going to accuse you of arrogance, which happened to Jesus. Who's this? The carpenter's son? Who do you think you are coming in here telling us all that? The reality is, though, you need to do it. If you want to leave limbo, you share it anyway, because you cannot do it alone. God had not simply called Joshua to go in as a one-man army and take the land. He called him to lead an army in. But it wasn't just Joshua's vision. Actually, the vision that God had given Joshua was also the vision for everybody else in a different way. Whatever vision God has given you, it's also a vision for someone else to be involved in, in a different way. And you might be a leader, you might, you might, you might be the second in command, you might be support. Do you know what? It doesn't matter. It's not about that. What it's about is, here's a vision from God. We're going to do it. We see later on down in, in verse 16 uh, to 18, what happens when Joshua shares this vision. They go, they answer, it says, they answered Joshua, all that you have commanded us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we obeyed Moses in all the things, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your commandment and disobeys your words, whatever you command him shall be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. Like these people get on board really quickly, perhaps a little bit too on board. They're ready to murder anybody who is not on board, okay? I'm sure there are some business leaders who have this as like their screensaver. Kill anyone who's not on board enough, you know? But, but the reality is they get on board because vision is viral. And it is airwave born. And you've got to share it. Whatever God's put in your heart, it's going to be involving other people. If you don't speak it, you won't see it. You want to get out of limbo? Share the vision. Last point. You've got to step out. You have to step out. Joshua 3 tells us what this culminates in. Verse 14 to 17. I know I'm skipping us around uh, over a couple of chapters. But it tells us what this ends in. So when the people set out from their tents to pass over the Jordan with the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people, and as soon as those bearing the Ark had come as far as the Jordan, and the feet of the priests bearing the Ark were dipped in the brink of the water, now the Jordan overflows all its banks at the time of harvest, the waters coming down from above stood and rose up in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that is beside beside somewhere, uh, and those flowing down toward the Sea of Arabah, the Salt Sea, were completely cut off. And the people passed over opposite Jericho. When, you, when you've, you've uh, kept the faith, you've stayed faithful, God has spoken, you've shared the vision, at some point you actually have to go. And what I mean by that is you actually have to go. You have to take a step. At some point, you will have to do something for God's vision to come to pass. God was sending them, but he was not shipping them. Okay, They had to tie their shoes, put one foot in front of the other, and walk towards that, that River Jordan. 
They had to move themselves. They had to go there. It was their responsibility. Now, now here's an interesting part of this. This story of the crossing of the Jordan. Um, it is a, a recapitulation or a, a sort of, uh, what's a good way to put that? It, it's, it's, it's analogous to, it's similar to Moses crossing the Red Sea. Uh, and it's God's confirmation of Joshua as the new leader. Moses with the people, you know, the sea was split and they crossed here. The Jordan is split and they cross. Um, and, and, and it, it is, it is, um, it, it's this confirmation that Joshua is the new leader of the people. Here's an interesting thing though. Uh, with Moses, the water parts before they take a step. With Joshua, they take a step and then the water parts. There's, I would say, there's no hard and fast rule here. Sometimes God will open a door and he'll say, you walk through that door. Other times he'll say, there's a wall, run at it hard and he's going to put a door there right as you're about to make impact. Sometimes he'll just say, you take the step of faith. I'll give, I'll give you two two quick stories that just kind of show this. So uh, I went to Bible college in Sweden, as did Danny. That's where we met. And uh, I applied and registered from here. And a, a few months before going to Bible college, uh, my dad suggested that we should go and try and find somewhere for me to live. Now, I, I was 18. I hadn't even thought about where I was. I just thought I'd show up and find a nice stranger and see if they had a bed. You know, that was my plan. I had never thought about this. I was okay. And so we go to the church and the service is in Swedish, being in Sweden, but they have, they had like live translation into English using sort of shortwave radio and people had little headphones on and we had those. And we ended up sitting beside a guy who was wearing those. So dad turned and started chatting to him, said, are you visiting too? He goes, no, no, I, I live here. Actually, I've just bought a house round the corner and I'm going to rent out rooms to Bible school students. Would you like to have first dibs? I was like, oh, sweet, open door. Yep, great. Went and got a room. It was great, super. Now, Danny, Danny's from Bulgaria. She also moved to Sweden. She felt God calling her to go to Sweden. So she moves to Sweden, and she has a place to live for like the first week, but no longer. And while she's there in that first week, she is uh, looking for a place to live. Can't find anywhere at all. Just every door is shut. Can't find uh, anywhere that will take her for the year. And so she's on her last day before she has to move out of this place where she was staying. And she's walking down the street. She she feels God tell her to go for a prayer walk. So she does. She's walking down the street. And she sees, uh, well, she sees no one to start with. It's really empty. And then down the road, she sees someone sort of pull up in their car and get out. And it's a residential area. And she feels God say, go up and ask that guy if he's got a place for you to stay. So she goes up and asks that guy if he has a place for her to stay. He goes, I'm not really sure. And he goes, are you, are you a Bible school student? She, and she goes, yeah, I am. And he goes, oh, great. I actually go to the church. And not a coincidence. Great. Um, and he goes, uh, where are you from? Uh, and she goes, I'm from Bulgaria. And he goes, I know someone from Bulgaria. Um, do you know um, Ivan Nesterov? Now, Ivan Nesterov is Danny's dad. Okay? <laughs> he is. Years prior, they had big conferences in, in this church in Sweden. Years prior, Danny's dad is pastor went out to a conference in Sweden and they put, they, they, as the church, they would offer accommodation to pastors and just put them up with random church members. Danny had stayed years ago in this guy's house. It's really hard for Danny to be an atheist now, by the way, okay? She just can't do it anymore. Like, it's just really tried, but that, that is a serious move of faith. Anyway, this guy goes, hey, well, do you know what? Actually, we can put you up for a few nights, rings around some friends, gets her a place to live. Amazing. All that to say, sometimes God will open a door before you go, 
Sometimes you go and God opens the door. Sometimes you get your feet wet. Sometimes you don't. The key question is this. Are you going to take a step? Are you going to step in faith? If you want to get out of limbo, you want to get out of the wilderness, at some point there's a step that God's going to call you to take. He loves steps of faith. And and it brings it full circle. It starts off with keeping the faith and having that vision. And it ends in, we're going to put that into action. And that's how you get out of limbo. When God calls you to do it, that's, that's the way it begins. So, so I'll, I'll close there. I'll invite the band back up here. But I do have a sense this morning that this is hopefully, hopefully a word for people in this room. Where, where you've been in a time and you've been waiting on the Lord and you, hey, you've kept the faith, you're believing. Maybe, maybe that's been a struggle for you. Maybe it's just, a, maybe this morning it's just we're urging you to continue standing in faith. Maybe this morning this is the word from God for you. You need to start hearing. And this message might be the word from God for you. Maybe maybe this morning you just need encouraged to, to share your vision with someone and go, hey, here's what I'm going to do. Or maybe you need to take a step in faith. But, but I believe that this will hopefully be for people here in this room this morning. So I would love to pray for us together, if that's all right, as we close. Would you stand to your feet? And we're going to sing in just a moment. But let me pray. If if that's you this morning, if you're in any of those positions, if you feel like you're in limbo and you know that either either you've got to just keep the faith or you need a word or you've got to share that vision or take a step. If If you want to just receive this and, and I always encourage people to take some sort of step put a hand out in, in front of you just like you're receiving a gift but whatever you feel is, is the appropriate for you let me pray Lord thank you that you are a God who parts the rivers and the sea Lord thank you that whatever barriers there are to stepping into the next place that you've called us to take Lord, you not only can overcome them, in one sense you have. Through Jesus, through your son, through what he has accomplished. And Lord, I pray this morning, would you come Holy Spirit, Lord, and would you speak to every heart here, every person here, that needs a word from you right now. And whether it is just encouraging them to stay faithful or whether it is the word that they need to step out or whether it's uh, to, to urge them to share it or whether it's giving them the specific step. Lord, would you move this morning in this room? I pray for a a morning of breakthrough in this place in the name of Jesus. I pray that every barrier, every uh, opposition, every obstacle to what you are calling people into in life, Lord, would you break it down in the name of Jesus? And Lord, I pray for a spirit of faith to be released this morning in the name of Jesus, for that spirit that was on Caleb and on Joshua, for that spirit that you uh, have placed within us to rise up in the name of Jesus, for bigger faith, for a release of the power of your spirit to go and take the land. Lord, thank you that you get, that that you've called us to be part of this and that we get to do it. Pray for real transformation, Lord. I pray in the week ahead, this week coming, the next seven days, before next Sunday, Lord, that there will be stories 
in this room of how you've really imparted faith or how you've spoken the word or how, or how people have shared that vision and it's caught hold or, or Lord, how they've taken a step and it's been confirmed with a parting of the waters. Let's ask you to speak right now, Lord. I feel that that verse or that phrase, be strong and courageous, I feel that that's a confirmation verse for someone and you've asked to hear it three times, so I'm going to tell you three times, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and very courageous. Thank you for that call, Lord. Thank you that you give us the power to do it. In Jesus' name, amen.